Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, listeners. I'm standing up because I've lost the microphone cover. Oh, there it is, under my bum. Popping it on. Why do you have a microphone cover, I hear you ask, listeners? Well, it's because then my voice doesn't go like this as I speak. So, you know, and I'll get a little reward for being such a good podcaster if I do things like put that little fluffy mic cover on and it makes me feel a little bit more like Madonna. I'll admit. Very exciting episode for you today. I'm really thrilled that we managed to get none other than Sean Fay on the podcast today. Sean Fay has written a book called The Transgender Issue, An Argument for Justice. And that would be great in and of itself, but it has become a huge bestseller and has had huge cultural impact. And for me, appears to be part of the movement from... um. Oh, new neighbours. New neighbours walking past, walking their dog. Two women together. Could they be lesbians? I'm desperately trying to find other gays. Um, It seems to me that Sean's book is a sort of sign of the times that the narrative is being handed back to in small but good positive ways to trans people to be able to tell their own stories and point out how they are this target for so much furore in the press but rarely asked about it themselves unless they are asked to defend themselves which uh, they should not have to be having to be defending themselves they should be given compassion and love and support to be the people that they know they are it really is as simple as that and sean is also incredibly funny husband walking in this is the problem with recording the podcast in the kitchen you see and the dog. Two of my favourite people. Do you want to say hello to the listeners, William? Hello. I've made more coffee. It's a little strong. But Sean is extremely funny. Just go and have a look. She's a wit. She's a card, as they might say. What else is new apart from um, me recording podcast in kitchen? Well, I've been putting Christmas decorations up. Had a bit of what I'm going to call a victory when I went to go and buy the Christmas tree yesterday. So went to get the Christmas tree. Um, because everyone starts celebrating Christmas in October, they barely had any left. So had to settle, had to buy one that wasn't quite the size I wanted. But anyway, there we go. Then they had no Christmas wreaths left. There was one. I found one on the side, shoved down the back of a something, and it didn't have a price on. So I took it to the counter 
I said, oh, you know, what's the price? She said, I don't know. So I'm going to give it to you for the price of the smallest wreath we do. This was no small wreath, listeners. Um, so I got a right old bargain, which has really perked up my Christmas because I love a bargaining Christmas. I also love, I, th- I find it a bit harder this year because I feel like we're all waking up to the idea that we're not supposed to be so wasteful anymore. And can you hear the dog barking? Because he wants to sit on my lap. Hang on. Come on, Ridley. Let's let's host this show together. Do not say hello? <laughs> there we go. So I'm trying to find presents for people that are not just wasteful, which, believe me, is tricky. For example, I have 500 godchildren because something about being LGBTQ plus means you always have loads of godchildren. Is it because we're funny and glamorous? Maybe. What do you get kids that isn't just sort of plastic and wasteful? I'm trying to find like something they can grow, a plant or something. Hard to give someone a plant that's going to do anything in midwinter. These are the quandaries that present me every day. Let's do a little bit of housekeeping, shall we? First up, what did you think of our interview with Spanners with Manners? I can tell you what you all thought. You loved it because you've been writing in. And Nick Dadani. I can tell you what you thought of that as well. You loved it because Nick is a wonderful person and you've been writing in. Um, You can still listen to it on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favourite podcast providers. So have a listen and get in touch. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Send us your thoughts. Husband walking back into kitchen. Striding. He's making the builders some tea. Clang, clang. Do you know what happened earlier, listeners, is we were sitting at this very kitchen table chatting, as far as I was concerned, and William was on his laptop, and then he just got up and said, I can't do this anymore, and left the room, because apparently I was distracting him from work. Sorry to involve you in this, listeners. And, listeners, you've got to send us your agony uncles. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com or via Instagram at homosapiens. Now, let me take you all to the emails. Clatter, clatter, clatter. We got an email from Canada. Do you know what? I can't work out who's bigger in Canada, us or Celine Dion. Hi, Chris and team. I'm catching up on the last few episodes. Thank you. Elias, Elias. A lot of slamming doors going on. If I did that while he was on a conference call, let me tell you the Ferrari. Okay. I'm catching up on the last few episodes and felt compelled to write in after listening to the agony uncle question on femininity and finding self-acceptance beyond when it comes to the way we express ourselves. I am a trans man and identify as queer. When I was growing up as my assigned gender at birth, I felt the need to express very masculine to combat the discomfort I felt inside. Since coming out, starting HRT and living as the queer man I am, I have begun to embrace the natural femininity I felt the need to hide for so long. This is fascinating. Throughout this exploration of femininity as a man, I've struggled a lot with family, friends and fellow trans and LGBTQ plus people. To pass as a man, I've been encouraged to cut my hair short, to build muscle and get bulky, to talk in a lower, less enthusiastic voice, to change the cadence of my walk. Not to mention the fashion advice, my God. I can only imagine... I am someone who loves nail polish and exploring the world of eyeliner and jewellery. I love shopping in the women's section of clothing, whatever that means anyway, quite right, and I have very feminine qualities to my voice and mannerisms. I'm not a woman despite all this. I have always been a man. Yes, you have. While embracing my feminine qualities, instead of suppressing them, sometimes causes me to pass less 
I've already spent far too much of my life pretending to be someone I'm not for the sake of others and I no longer wish to live in such a way. I'm constantly working through my own internalised homophobia and what it means to be a man in society. Uh, Me too. Uh, It's a wild journey, as many queer people will know. Hearing you, Chris, speak about your own journey as it relates to your femininity has been lovely. That's what this podcast is all about for me, sharing our experiences and quickly realising that we have so much in common as LGBTQ plus people and so many unique views of the world. Keep being brilliant. Sending love from Canada. Yours sincerely, Elias. Elias, thank you. Elias? Elias? I don't want to say your name wrong. I think it's really interesting. And it's funny you wrote in this week because we actually talk, Sean and I talk about this in the interview that's coming up, that when Sean came out as trans, because she was a public figure already at that point, we talk about how people were asking her answers of like, what kind of trans person are you? What, you know, are you going to pass as feminine? Are you going to pass as a woman? Are you going to go ultra feminine? All these things. And actually, the truth is, gender is a spectrum and you can be all the way one end all the way the other end and gender and sex are also different things so women can be masculine men can be feminine and femininity and masculinity being more gender-based I suppose don't know even know if that's right actually please write in and correct me but when if you are trans there is a thing that I I'm hearing in your message, Elias, and me and Sean talk about, because Sean is a trans woman, is that you are sort of asked to be a very heightened version of the gender you know you are. So you, you can't just transition and say, I know I'm a man, as Elias has done. They want you to be, the wider public want you to then display, well, if you're going to do that, you need to display as hyper-masculine. You need to be a, you know, a man-man and all this nonsense and actually you can know you're a man but also know you're a feminine man and that's not going to match up to the current debate the current questions around transness but we need people out there representing and I'm so thrilled to hear you saying that Elias that you feel that you can do that and you feel comfortable doing that now and yeah it's really interesting gender is a construct that's all I'm going to say. And you should do and present exactly as you feel happy and no, and nothing else, you know. We got another message. It's from Philip this time. Dear Chris, my name is Philip. I recently started the initiative to build an LGBTQ plus library in Poland. Philip, this is amazing. As you may have heard, many members of our government are radical and see queer folk as, quotes an ideology. I do, Philip, and I'm very sorry that you are having to live through what is, quite frankly, extremely dangerous times. Last year, some cities went as far and declared them as LGBT-free zones. My ambition is to build a space for youth and adult, a library that will provide them with voices, testimonies and diverse global queer representations. It's about providing books that the Polish schooling educational systems refuse to share. I'm wondering if this is something worth your attention and maybe a topic we could discuss on your podcast. As we source our books from donations, perhaps a conversation could be an opportunity to spread some awareness too. Best wishes and please let me know what you think. Philip from Poland. Philip from Poland, consider this me letting you know what I think. Let's do it. Let's do a chat. We'll get you some books. We're going to do everything we can to help you. And thank you so much for standing up in a dangerous situation for human rights, making sure that those young, young, young people who are just even realising they're queer now 
have some guiding lights to know that they are not. There's nothing wrong. They are not wrong. So consider this the beginning of something beautiful. Culture Club now. Hi, Christopher. Got Anthony and Campbell's been in touch. Hi, Christopher. I'd like to recommend a pair of novels for Culture Club. Darius the Great is Not Okay. And its sequel, Darius the Great Deserves Better by Adib Koram. The first book explores Darius's ethnic heritage and the second one, his sexuality. It's great to see books that look at both of these themes and there's a thread around mental health through the books too. Please, can you try and get him on the podcast? Absolutely. Adib, we're coming for you. That's from Anthony and Camberwell. Thank you so much. Also, uh, interesting, you said Darius the Great is Not Okay is the title of that one. There's also a book called Nina is Not Okay by Shapi Kosandi, comedian, stand-up and many other things, writer. She's written a book called Nina is Not Okay, a a very interesting story about kind of growing up. And I think it's a phenomenal book. Uh, So go and have a read of that. That's my recommendation for you this week, Diz. Craig on Instagram said, The Power of the Dog is on Netflix starring Benedict Cumberbatch. It looks like a dark, broke-back mountain, so we'll need to watch this. Oh, yes. Now, I've heard loads of good things about that. So please go watch. Let us know what you think, listeners. Email your comments, questions and agony uncles to hello at homo sapiens podcast, please. Homo Sapiens on Instagram, at Homo Sapiens Podcast on Facebook. Next week, we've got the Christmas special, by the way. Oh my God, you've been sending in your stories about Christmas, funny Christmas disasters. You are hilarious people. I adore you all. First things first, so let's go and do a chat with the wonderful Sean Fay, the author of The Transgender Issue, An Argument for Justice. She's a genius. She's a laugh. You're going to love it. Oh, and we started off by talking about star signs and Mercury rising and things like that. So here you go. Such a massive fan. And then your book comes along because I was just a content of yours consumer, (laughs) just a, you know, a regular Instagram fan. And then you go and drop this beautiful book. So thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. That's very nice. Yeah, I'm actually quite pleased that like it used to sort of annoy me when I was... (laughs) when I was a freelance journalist that like people would come up to me and be like, I love your tweets or I like your Instagram stories. <laughs> I'd be like, you know, I'm a professional writer. Why does no one know me for that? So a book has really seen that off. That's good. <laughs> I'm afraid I am that fan. Yeah, I am fine, that. Like, but, you know, oh my God, your tweets. It's my own fault. Well, the social media content was just too good. <laughs> but before that, before I want to rant and rave about how brilliant your book is, can you just talk me through Mercury being in retrograde that you were just saying? Because I don't actually know what it means. And my sister would be appalled that I don't actually know exactly what it means. <laughs> um, so several times a year, it's astrologically, it's obviously an illusion, but because of the way that the Earth rotates around the sun and also we, you know, it rotates itself, there's an optical illusion that it looks like Mercury is moving back through the sky. So that when that happens, mm. Mercury is in retrograde and obviously in ancient astrology for the hundreds of years, probably even more, that was associated with a breakdown in communication. So obviously in the modern age, it's fun to blame tech problems on Mercury being in <laughs> retrograde. I send the fact that I'm just completely hopeless at emails year round on Mercury being in retrograde whenever it is. But like, yeah, traditionally, it was supposed to be things like exes or old lovers get back in touch, or you might have a miscommunication with someone. Oh. And, you know, it was it's, it's this idea that com- communication goes a bit queer, a bit haywire. And, um, and, uh, and, and things can people can misunderstand each other and chaos can ensue. So that's, that's why people say it. And then obviously, with uh, modern tech age, astrology being well I'm not a huge astrology buff but like I feel like I have to be because it's very big amongst LGBTQ plus Mm. people 
Um, and particularly amongst trans people, I don't know why. I mean, I think it's probably because people feel like, well, they might as well refer their destiny out to the planets because anything we've been told about um, what the rules of life are probably are wrong anyway. So you might as well trust the planets rather than uh, heterosexual society, I guess. That's a very theoretical... <laughs> there we go. That's why I think it is. I think I've read something that said that. Yeah. All I'm going to say is we just did the pitch for book two. Um, <laughs> but do you remember when there was like a... Um, this seems to happen like once every 10 years. They're like, oh my God, they've discovered a new star sign. And uh, it's always like between like October and November, they're like, actually, there's 13 zodiac signs. And I always think of that kind of stuff when people talk about Mercury and retrograde for some reason, I have no idea why. Yeah, and that's that's just astrology. But then even in like actual astronomy, the actual science, poor old Pluto, she's getting upgraded and downgraded the whole time. I mean, I know how she feels. <laughs> but one minute she's a planet, next minute it's like, no, just a rock. <laughs> I mean, it's, it must be doing nothing for Pluto's self-esteem. It's so true. <laughs> Hashtag justice for Pluto. It's always being upgraded and downgraded to a proper planet, isn't it? Yeah, we only got discovered like... Was it in the 20s or 30s or something? So it's not really even been known about for very long. It only got discovered. Then it was built yeah. up. Then it's, it's like Lady Gaga's yeah. career. You don't know what's going on with it. <laughs> I was obsessed with planets as a kid. And I don't think that was anything to do with my queerness. But what I do remember is that I must have been eight years old. And I did a presentation. So everyone had to do a presentation at school about something. And I did my presentation I'd seen this program about how if the, we were going to go and live, I can't believe I did this. If we were going to go and live on a planet, it would be the planet Uranus because it's got the most amount of gas and makeup that's similar to us. And all we need to do is like pump 4% more nitrogen and then it would be okay to live in. I did a talk for my class in front of my teacher, which was entitled Landscaping Uranus. Wow, my gosh. That's like something, you know, it's like a, it's like a walking Julian Clary joke. It's like something out of The Simpsons or something, isn't it? But yeah, how did we get onto that? Oh, because we were talking about Mercury and retrograde. Yeah, why do queer people like that? I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think I think some of it is just the fact that, like, it's like a little bit of spirituality, but without committing to religion, which probably mm. appeals to a lot of people. And yeah, it's just a way to kind of refer out or use metaphors sometimes, I guess, about like, the idea that if you might feel small in the universe or whatever, that you can you can attribute certain things to the to the planets, to this ancient sort of system of knowledge, whether or not it's true or not. And like, yeah, like I mean, like in many, I, I do remember one person, a non-binary person, one of the first trans people I ever met was very into astrology, and I think they said like, yeah, it was kind of like, well, they've been taught everything they've been told about what was male, what was female, what was the right way to do sexuality, everything was wrong their whole lives mm. um, for them. And so they were like, well, I might as well just attribute literally everything to the planets because it's not like anything that's supposed to be rational or sensible or scientific has ever been true for me in that respect. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You mentioned religion there. Like, am I right in thinking you were really religious for a bit? Yeah, someone's done their research. Yes, I was. Yeah, um, I was very religious in my teenage years. Yeah, I um, I was raised in an Irish Catholic uh, family culturally. Not like my mum used to go to church, but wasn't super religious. Like, I'm, I'm always quick to be like, she wasn't a home fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, yeah, and then I think in my teenage years, I think. It's interesting, actually, because I've actually sort of like become a bit reinterested in spirituality very recently, but mm. um, after a long gap. But I think, yeah, I think I was always looking for something a little bit. And also, yeah, teenage, my teenage years were um, like many people's, especially LGBTQ plus people's, uh, not the easiest time. I went to an all boys school, which mm. was obviously a real treat. And, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, and I also had, you know, at the time I wouldn't have called it gender dysphoria because I didn't know what that was. Um, but like, obviously, yeah, I was having a lot of problems with adolescence and, uh, the physical changes and, um, yeah. And I think it was, it was something to cling to. Unfortunately, uh, Catholicism, when you cling to it too intensely, uh, isn't that great because it, it's, it tends to think sex and sexuality are bad. And if you're essentially like a teenager with testosterone coursing through their body, as I was, um, mm. lots of things mm. that are actually perfectly natural, you can come to think of as quite bad. And combined with the fact that I already felt bad about them because I was dysphoric. So, um, so yeah, so I sort of became a bit of a religious kook for, <laughs> for, for a couple of years in my teenage years. And then, I don't know, I just, um, I think I was about 17 or 18 and I just... Once I went to university and started drinking and taking drugs, I just sort of forgot about it. Church is what time on a Sunday? I ain't good. <laughs> yeah. But d- was it like you, did you have like a friend who you did it with? Like, and, or was it very much like your own? <laughs> so did you? I love did it with. It, sound, it either makes it sound like, like very jobs or like doing ketamine or something. The, no, you, did like, the religion. No, no. Because no, obviously like no millennial teenager who like, I grew up in Bristol, like, you know, people, yeah. I, had, I had friends, actually mostly, um, at my all boys school funnily enough all the friends I gravitated towards who tended to be gay men uh when they grew up (laughs) yeah um but uh because I didn't really it was something that was quite personal it wasn't something I really like I wasn't going around being really preachy so um I think people thought it was a bit weird but like I was yeah I think it was I'm a quite an eccentric person (laughs) probably even to this day and so yeah I think it was written off as kind of one of my eccentricities at the time but no it was quite it was quite, it was quite solitary in many ways. It was, it was much more about me and my understanding of myself and trying to find something to understand the world when it felt very confusing for reasons right. that I later discovered were, well, yeah, a range of things, but obviously being trans was one of them. Um, and yeah, it was just, it wasn't really something that I shared with other people. Did you feel able to talk to God about your own identity struggles I imagine they would have been called then as opposed to being able to put words on things no I mean like yeah I mean it was weird because it was really hard at that time to really divorce what was like gender stuff and what was sexuality stuff even though we always say now they're really really you know distinguished they are but like that one makes the other more confused because like I knew Mm. I was into boys so that obviously didn't doesn't sit particularly well with like very staunch forms of Catholicism I guess 
Um, so I was a little bit, con- you know, I guess, yeah, probably quite a negative view of that myself. But also there was this thing that didn't really make sense either that wasn't really like, you know, there's there's the, well, I like boys, but then almost more of a crisis was actually a deep discomfort with being one. <laughs> and right, yeah. also like, um, yeah, and also, like, as I say, I knew quite a lot of gay guys, I guess they were boys at the time, but I thought it was silly saying gay boys because it sounds like I'm using <laughs> as well. Like gay team, yeah, gay friends. And when they started to come out or started to be a bit more open about that, um, here and there, it was a bit sporadic. It was actually, it was a little bit alienating because I was like, oh God, I don't really feel like you either. Like I might mm. have all the same cultural references, but like I don't, <laughs> like a bit of musical <laughs> yeah. theatre, but I don't, <laughs> but yeah. I don't, you know, there was something I did off. love cabaret, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I still do. I mean, like, totally threading the needle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I feel like the eyebrows and hair of like Sally Bowles reference and the Chicago references are there to this day. <laughs> yes, they are. And I love them. But yeah, no, it's funny because I was religious for a bit in a kind of praying way, like as in I'm, I'm technically a Roman Catholic, but question mark. And I think I used to pray loads. But what I was thinking when I asked that question is that I think it's really interesting that although I prayed loads, I never prayed about the truth to God. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I just prayed about like... It was almost like an OCD thing. I'd be like, you know, please make sure that mum's all right. Please make sure the dad's all right. Nothing happens to anyone and anyone I know and any of their friends or anyone they know. And like, yeah. but I, I never sort of shared my own, like, I think I'm gay. You know what I mean? Because I felt like I, even though this this being I'm praying to is meant to be all loving, all blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. I think similar. I mean, I think, yeah, definitely, it definitely wasn't. It was, you also just forget, don't you? I mean, like, I've noticed a couple of things actually reviews of my book and things like that I know that uh there have been people that have questioned some of the like timeline about the fact that like I came out as gay first and then transitioned in my 20s and I'm a bit like yeah well human beings don't have like like we, mm. we 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 make a narrative after when we know what's going on but actually when I was like 14 or 50 I don't really know I can't really recall how conscious I was I mean I knew that like what my attraction was and I knew that I, I knew that I felt really, really unhappy with like physical changes of puberty, like facial hair and stuff like that and the deepening of my voice. Mm-hmm. But like, yet not every day it was something that like, you know, came and went, you know, it's, life is just much more complicated and it's really hard sometimes to remember. I mean, people who write memoirs know this, that they often go around. I know friends who've written memoirs and it's really interesting that they go, and often have conversations with their family members as part of the research of the book and say, Oh, I remember this. And then, and then the family member will be like, no, that's not what happened. And then, you know, that what happens is often people who write memoirs about their own lives kind of come to discover that there's no real truth because every, you know, memory is faulty. And we think our memory is like a videotape of like, um, what actually happened, but obviously how you feel, what your perception was at the time, what you subsequently learn all affects and shapes your memory. Um, mm. and so it's really, really hard to like, I mean, I've been asked a lot. Um, I don't know if you have been um or you feel you have to on this podcast discuss a lot about like your awakening about people who often yeah like to ask lgbtq plus people if they're being interviewed or in podcasts i found about mm. their um yeah about like when did you know this when did you know that and you feel like you have to give satisfactory answers um because because that's just the nature of what's what's expected of it but increasingly i'm like and i do i do give them and i'm not lying but like i'm also aware that like any version i tell isn't like the full honest truth because 
it was much more complicated than that. And I think it's the same for everyone. Yeah, it's incredibly opaque. And also, plus, add in, for me, when it was coming to mind for me, I was like, please, God, don't be true. You know what I mean? So you kind of push it away and you manage to push it away for a week and then it comes back and you're like, hmm. Like, so that's, it. that makes it opaque immediately. And also what I feel like is sort of, in the center of that of that people asking that question is something that you talk about a lot in the book which is like people want the gender answer like tell me what it is you know what i mean it's like yeah guess what nobody knows and it doesn't fucking matter yeah it's all your own version and also like i hand on heart stand by the fact that i don't know like i identify as a gay man now that may not stand and that may not be forever and more power to me if it doesn't yeah well it's funny well I think that's I think it's so interesting because obviously like you know I know a lot of gay men uh, and a lot of lesbian women and bi women as well but like the reason I mentioned gay men right is that like I uh, because I know so many it means that Mm. like a full spectrum (laughs) like work-wise you know I used to work at Stonewall all my colleagues obviously my like university friends my like my like disco friends from my times in East London before I transitioned well you were picking them up at school to be fair (laughs) yeah so like I know a lot right and obviously like I continue to like I work in an industry where it's obviously the case and it's, yeah, it's actually surprising, like, how <laughs> I was having this conversation recently that quite a lot of, and I've started asking people, you know, like, if, if, if um, we've got my level of closeness with them, about, like, quite a lot of gay men I know who, like, either are interested in or have quietly, and I mean not, like, as teenagers, I mean as adult men, like, experimented sexually with women, but they mm. would never identify as bi because they see their social identity as a gay man, and they wouldn't ever not, they wouldn't, they can't imagine, like, having a, this is more than one I know, like, having a girlfriend that they can only really ever imagine their life with a man but Mm. it doesn't mean that they wouldn't you know maybe have had sexual encounters with women and I think that's like I think it's really interesting because it's like what you're what we're saying there is actually like it's not just a neutral descriptor of like who you're actually attracted to or your actual behavior is it's more like a social identity Mm. that you wouldn't give up which I completely get like and and I and I get that too like I mean like I I could only really imagine having a long-term partner that's a cis man because mm. that's all I've ever done. But I'm, I know that it's not all I'm capable of, like, probably, you know, like, it's it's one of those things that, like, you just use the... I just am a big believer in labels being handy to make things understandable to other people, but not really wanting to, like, ride out and die for them, you know? Yeah. I'm finding your gang, you know, like, because mm. we were... Just before we came on, we were talking very briefly about Courtney Act, also Shane. Um yeah. And what a conversation I had with Shane about gender identity was about that concept of like, I remember like identifying as a gay man for me was like a lily pad onto which I could jump. There weren't words beyond that at that time. And I was like, oh, great. Okay, I definitely don't feel strange anymore. But actually listening to Shane talk about you know, gender fluidity and non-binariness, that is so much, I can relate to so much of that. You know what I mean? Like, which just, w- those words were not around at the time. Mm. And I definitely think, and I've spoken a lot on this podcast about, like, I sort of sit somewhere in there. So much of it makes sense to me. And that will probably develop as I go. Yeah, older. well, it's interesting. Like, I know, like, I, I know, I have, I have, again, another friend who actually prefers, like, would prefer to refer to himself as a fag than, like, necessarily as a gay man. And I mm. think, I think where he get what he's going at there is almost like, it's almost like a gender aspect to it, too. Is that, like, obviously, mm. it's a reclamation of, like, 
quite quite a heavy slur, but it's like it's like a kind of like a like a, like a, a failed man, but in a kind of proud way, you know, like it's kind of like about feminine uh, femininity and not being this ideal of what a man mm. is, even like what a gay man is, and actually preferring that. Um, and it, yeah, it makes sense to me. It's almost like a, a sort of quasi gender identity. <laughs> um, yes. And it's the same thing, right? Is that there's a huge spectrum where we, we say non-binary now, but like also like dr- there are so many drag queens as well. Like if you actually like people who do drag for years and years and years and really see it's part of their identity. If you told them they couldn't do drag again, I think that would really cause a mental health impact, but they wouldn't see themselves necessarily as trans. Um, yes. It's just that, that, that their drag persona is an important expression of something, but it would be like if you took it away, like if they sent, you know, they sent them to some sort of prison, where they couldn't, they couldn't do drag. They would really, really struggle with that and i and i think that you know that there's something there's something there that like as i say i mean i'm not i'm not here to pronounce on whether or not what these things mean but i think what it i think what it indicates to me is uh, i'm a big believer in that all these definitions because we've only really had these terms for like a century at best um and one term usually spawns another like gay is only a is a a positive response to homosexual which was a medicalized Mm. pathologizing term before the term homosexual was invented, you didn't even have the idea of a homosexual person or a gay person. Mm. You just had behaviours, acts, like sinful acts, um, criminal acts, um, insects, sodomy. Like, so you didn't, so there wasn't this idea of like a type of person who is attracted to this. So yeah, so it, it would make complete sense if in like a hundred years time, the language that we're all using LGBT wise mm. isn't, isn't even close to what, how we would describe ourselves. I mean, that would be healthy too, because the language should evolve. I mean, like these, 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 these labels are political labels that um, interact with the world around us. And as the world changes, the labels will change, I would assume. Yeah. And I think that whatever your version is, is, is valid. And, mm-hmm. you know, wherever you sit on that is self-identified. Like I remember puberty, right? And I can't remember if I've spoken about this on the podcast before. I say that because I don't want to bore people. But like, I found puberty particularly traumatic because I think I was turning into a man, like mm. from a boy. <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. And, but I don't think I wanted to be that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it was I wanted to be. I didn't have gender dysphoria, but I, it can, it, I don't know. I just, I didn't, I can't really speak further on it other than, well, yeah. I think, yeah. Well, there's an argument. There's an argument that what trans people have to call gender dysphoria to make ourselves understandable and to get healthcare is actually just a more acute version of something that there's a continuum there. That probably, you know, if you and I both had that experience, but perhaps for me, maybe it became more acute, or it became it persisted in a way that it perhaps didn't for you. When it's you, but um, but but actually, there's a strain of similarity which was that probably yeah it's probably like some of it for me manifested in like a physical way about physical changes but a lot of it was also yeah about like not wanting to turn into what society's idea of a man was and really finding that uncomfortable and I it makes sense that like because obviously society's idea of what a man should be is still very hyper masculine and also quite heterosexual and quite homophobic uh, Mm. especially amongst teenage boys so it would make sense that like and, and it's the same for uh, sort of people who assign female at birth too. And um, so I think there are a lot of lesbian women, especially if they're sort of more masculine of centre in terms of their presentation or their expression, who um, are deeply, un- you know, they're very uncomfortable 
with the idea of being a woman. And I think that can make them feel anxious both about trans men because like they see it as like, oh, well, you're just trying to escape being a woman. I get what that. And it's like, well, maybe a bit like us. It's like, well, maybe that's a more acute version of something that you also feel on some level. And they also don't, you know, I think it can be difficult to understand a trans woman especially like a feminine one, presenting one, because it's like, well, why are you running towards something that I found so oppressive? Um, yes. and, and all you can really say to that is like, well, people just have to do, you know, you're not, you, like these things don't actually, like allowing people to do what they want in terms of gender isn't mm. hurting anyone. So why don't you just accept that we all might start from a different place and then we need to end up in a different place to live a livable life. Yes. And I, th- I think that's where the sticking point comes with um, divides in the LGBT community. And also, there's so much fraught discussion. Right? You talk about it's loads in your book, as we know. But like, it's there's so much fraught stuff around gender expression. And one of the things that really struck me that you said, you know, you came out as trans and very publicly had to work out what kind of person you were going to be while being analysed before you'd even worked out. Mm, yeah, and that I imagine that was just really hard. It was hard and I wasn't in the kind of like, yeah, like a lot of people. And I think there's the scene as well. Like, I think there's much more kind of gender fluidity on the queer scene now, at least in London. I can't speak for everywhere. But like um, in London, you know, like with with people who are non-binary or questioning or or, or a bit more fluid and um, particularly in some parts of the scene and, um, and dr- you know, drag has opened up too. Like it's not just like gay men dressing as women. You know that that whole mm. conversation has changed. People like Bimini, for example, um, mm. uh, are now in the mainstream. But even yeah, with me, I think it was that like I kind of wanted to do that, and I don't know if society had been different, but quite. I remember being like, oh, I'll try and have fun with it when I decided oh, okay because I first sort of came out as non-binary ish, <laughs> and 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 I and and actually quite quickly yeah, I, it just became too difficult like people really wouldn't allow you to do that both like yeah in terms of my public stuff like working writing I realized that if I looked a certain way and and blended in I would get treated with my work would get treated with better respect as would I but also yeah just like even in terms of day-to-day life walking down the street you just get rewarded a lot for conforming whether you're trans or not like Mm. you know I I I conform now in many ways and don't make my gender spectacular. I don't make my femininity spectacular. Mm. And that's that's an extension of what lots of cisgender women experience too, is that if you're trying yes. to be taken seriously, you're told to like, you know, not be too feminine. But also if you're not feminine enough, <laughs> you know, you get derided for that too. So there's a kind of lose-lose thing there about femininity for all women um, and for trans women, mm. I think it's a bit it's it can be potentially a bit intensified because our our femininity is seen as like inauthentic anyway um so if it's too much it's like you're a walking parody and if it's too little it's like well, you still look like a man you're still a man this is a joke to you blah 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 um and those pressures just they do they do take the they suck the fun out of it chris yeah. <laughs> that's the end of part one lovely chat with sean planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Part two in the feed go find powered by spirit studios